right, everybody. Um, thanks for tuning in to Talking Pit. My name is Brenna McDonald, and I am pumped today um, to have Jesse Wright on our podcast. Um, so Jesse, a little bit of background. I met him at a, actually the My Momentum seminar this summer um, that Stu put on. It was an awesome seminar. Jesse gave a great talk. Um, we ended up connecting after that. I'm in the process of reading his book. Um, and, and the more I learn about this guy, the more I see some good stuff that he's pumping out into the world and uh, really getting some good resources for coaches. So um, that being said, Jesse, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll get rolling into this. But do you want to start? Just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you've had a vast experience of journeys in this, and uh, vast experience. Ah, can talk, cannot talk. <laughs> um, mm. Your experiences in this field have been quite unique. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your path, how you got from one step to the another, and uh, where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. And first, thank you so much for kind introduction, for sure, and for for having me on the podcast. You guys, uh, your your reputation and your whole department, you as an individual and sort of what you're doing for the program there and the internship and everything you're doing to grow young professionals precedes you. And I'm happy to be a part of the podcast for sure. So I appreciate the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, My background, we can kind of work backwards a little bit. For the last three years, I've been doing a a number of different consulting projects, just sort of ventured out on my own after my time in the NBA ended and just do a number of different projects all tied to high performance sports somehow, Uh, not necessarily directly working with teams anymore, but just sort of outside projects that are interesting and fit my skill set. And that has covered a a big range everywhere from facility design to athlete testing and assessment to leadership workshops to, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to talk about here, my balance, the bar initiative and everything. And again, I'll never sort of leave the high performance sport world, um, but may not be involved directly in training athletes on some of these. So, so that's been a a fun challenge and and a really interesting journey for the last three years. Uh, prior to that, I spent 14 years with the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. Nine of those years were as the head strength coach and five uh, in a role titled director of performance science. And then prior to that, I worked in the retail setting, uh, independent, a chain of independent sports training centers that were located outside of Philadelphia. And I served every role there, you know, worked as a performance coach on the floor and director of one facility and sort of a general manager-ish type role overseeing a couple of their facilities. Uh, And then that's actually how I got introduced to the 76ers as well, through a a strength and conditioning contract that the team had with the company that I was working for. So my first four years with the team were actually in a consultant role. Um, And then before that, American football. So I I had a chance to work in NFL Europe for the team in Barcelona, Uh, some NCAA university uh, opportunities with Hofstra University and Temple's where I started out. And then uh, my internship was with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I spent a year with them as well early on in my career. So it's been a fun journey, a lot of different experiences that I was tremendously, tremendously fortunate uh, to be a part of. And many people helped me along the way. And that leads me to where I am today and sort of us sitting here talking about everything. I love it. I think your story is so cool because, A, the more I get to know you and, and what you put out there, the more I see how each of your stops impacted you. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, too, like so many people think it has to be so linear. Like once I'm in football, I'm in football for life. Um, and the versatility that you've shown of, of hopping around to different stops and having an impact in each, you know, different realm that you've been in, I really think is an awesome kind of testament to how versatile we can be in this field. 
Yeah, non nonlinear is definitely the word for sure. Cause there's, you know, you set out maybe on a certain pathway and depending on opportunities that present themselves and who you meet. And, you know, certainly it's a it's a crowded world now. So you can't be particularly early on in your career. You can't be so selective on where you would like to be, or you'll end up sort of filtering out a lot of good opportunities. So the football thing was where my interest lie. Go back to my roots. I was a high school football player. It was sort of the the sport that I was most interested in. So I was again lucky and fortunate enough to work in that in that area early on. And then the basketball thing just sort of organically arose out of the facility that I was working for. I don't know if you asked me at 20 or 21 if I ever, you know, would have said I would love to work in basketball as a pro strength coach. I probably wouldn't have said that, but you know, the opportunity presented itself and that you know, you end up grabbing uh, onto something that's sort of right in front of you naturally and you know, that ends up sort of uh um ends up how it does, you know, so definitely did you always know that you wanted to start the Balance the Bar initiative or uh, like, was there a certain moment when you, you knew you were done coaching with teams? You know what, that it's, a, it's an interesting sort of, um, again, natural organic might be the word on how that all developed for a good part of pro- probably more the second half of my time uh, with the 76ers, you start to get um phone calls, emails, people reaching out, particularly young coaches reaching out with, you know, sort of the equivalent of would love to talk to you sometime about your path to the NBA and how I might be able to get there as well. Paraphrasing there, but, you know, that type of question. Uh, And I always felt I, I can't tell you I honored every single one of them, but I always felt compelled because I was a a young coach that asked those questions of people at some point early on, I always felt compelled to take those calls and have those conversations. So I did a lot of them and you start talking. And of course you get into like your story and a lot of the, the, uh, the ins and outs and nuances of being a coach at that level, but inevitably the call, the, um, the conversation would go to, and I'm almost saying this verbatim, like the, the best job I did in the NBA had very little to do with programming and sets and reps and movement patterns and all that stuff. Of course, that remains the biggest part of it, but uh, it's such a unique environment and the pro level in general, but certainly the NBA super unique and the harder challenge, the, the, the bigger part of the, I think the difficult part of the job is motivation and understanding players um, tendencies and who they are and working within a challenging team environment and all the things that come with communicating up to really important people uh, and the adaptability component when, again, during my time, five different head coaches, eight different general managers, you're constantly being thrown um, external challenges and constraints that maybe you may or may not have been prepared for. And all of that stuff, I, I think, in my opinion, is the more difficult part of working in pro sport. At least it was for me. And I would pass that along in these conversations. So it brought into play this idea of just the importance of growing uh, a, a very strong interpersonal skill set alongside of the technical knowledge that we all know we need to grow and develop. And that was ended up being sort of the bigger message that I would pass along to these younger coaches that I'd talk to. And then I built a talk around it, right? And I presented it first in 2016 at the NBSCA Continuing Education Summit uh, at the, the NBA Combine in Chicago. 
Then I gave it again at the NSCA National Conference the following year in Vegas. And in both of those, um, as I tell this story in my book, um, good line at the end of it, like everybody come up and talk to the speaker and you share some ideas. And at least a handful of people were like, this would be a cool book someday. I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> right. And everybody sort of probably has those ideas and those potential themes that you could write into a book. And then real life happens. And there's a ton of reasons not to write a book uh, until my time in the NBA ended. Right. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily my choice. Right. So it's like, OK, well, I'm not there anymore. I might as well uh, might as well get started on the project. Right. And this kind of idea that was always out there. Uh, and that was the origin of Balance the Bar. It started with the book, right? The, the the intent is to grow. And I I communicated the message that started in this talk, right? All around interpersonal skills and high performance sport and the, the opportunity that it gives you to have a really strong impact and lasting career success, growing that skill set. And um, yeah, after I got deep into the book, it's like, cool, I would love to create a brand around this. And after the book, create an opportunity for people to learn. And eventually, again, in my mind, it was going to be online courses and, you know, free content and all that stuff. And, you know, fast forward three years, and there's sort of a little semblance of what that initial sort of idea was. Um, so that's the origin, long, long winded answer, but that's where it all came from. No, I love it. I think it's cool. I, mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect to you. Like the idea of writing a book terrifies me as it's because it's it's the unknown, you know. So I, I give you a lot of kudos for um looking at that and being like, do this. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you? Ten months to write it. Okay. Yeah. That was literally, I mean, you're looking at the 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 basement, right? And I know the video is not on the podcast, but um yeah, I just came down here every single I'm a morning person. So I it'd be like five, five thirty in the morning. You come down, you get your coffee and you throw some inspirational music on that's not too distracting and you just chip away like thousand words at a time. I, I had a goal. I wanted to on on most days I wanted to come at least complete fifteen hundred words. <clears throat> and um Many times did that, but a lot of times I just didn't have the groove and didn't have the rhythm that day. So you just walk away from it. But then there were other days where it's like you get rolling, you get that like, like real, like you're in your zone a little bit. And it's like 3000, 4000. It's like, oh, I really like, you know, how much I got done today. So 10 months to write it and certainly a big, heavy lift to get the book done. But the bigger one, because it's all self-published. Right. And, um, and and I did both the writing and the formatting and all that stuff. I mean, I, I had help for sure, but sort of led the project on my own versus, you know, big publishing house type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the bigger challenge is continuing to get it out there, right? And keep it in front of people and keep it relevant and where people actually want to want to consume the information because that's why you write it in the first place. So definitely. Well, I know mm -hmm. I'm about uh, I'm not halfway through it right now and, and working on it. I've already sent it to all my mentors and um, oh, that's the, great. the crew at Kentucky. Thank I was you like, so you much. guys would love this because uh, for those of you that haven't gotten a chance to pick it up yet, it's called The Intent is to Grow. Um, and, and right now we're following the story of two GAs that just started off their, their career. And he's got one that's very interested in, in all of the you know nuggets of advice he's getting everywhere he goes. And another one that, you know, that cares about the X's and O's and, and not really anything else. Uh -huh. So I think that's been fun to see. Uh, my that's, question for you is protagonist antagonist for element. Sure. Yeah. A good story, right? For yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. Now, are you Nate? And did you have a like? Did you show up to a place that's as organized as his school is, or where did you get the the idea I, for that? I, I am not Nate, although okay. Nate experiences a number of experiences that I that that was I was faced with when I was young. No, as you meet all the characters in in the book, none of them are modeled after any one person that I know. 
but all of them are modeled after combinations of people that I know and have worked with or have gotten stories from other people, um, people that they have known. So they're, they're all born out of sort of real, um, maybe call it archetypes or, you know, the types of situations that people would have been exposed to uh, in a high performance sport environment. Right. And, and particularly anybody that's worked at a division one university, you're going to meet the mentors and all of them have um, known and, and relevant roles within an athletic department that he meets with. And um, yeah, that, that, that was sort of by design. I wanted people that read it to be able to place themselves in the situations and the rooms and the environments that a lot of the characters have been in and like say, you know, oh yeah, I remember something like that very closely happened to me to be able to, you know, it's, it's the reason I built the characters the way it did so people can identify and, and maybe take to the story a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Even as he's preparing for his first lacrosse group, like I'm, I was, took me back. I was feeling the first group, uh, nerves and anxiety before that. And then uh, uh-huh. when he gets yeah. challenged the first time too, I was like, man, I've, I've been there. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's very good. I'm enjoying it. It's an easy read, but it's a relatable read. And I've uh-huh. already, you know, I plan to put it in my intern curriculum, but until mm-hmm. then, as I get through it, I've just been putting little nuggets in there, group B and Hey, read yeah. this, I do this. And, um, oh, I appreciate it's that. Thank very you. good resource. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I know one of our fellows purchased it as well, Jake, and he's been, we've been able to talk about it as we go through our, our weeks, which has been a fun thing. So I, I definitely think it's a good discussion prompter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As again, it, and as I told the story in the intro, uh, it, it did initially start off as a typical sort of nonfiction in text citations, any of those sort of Adam Grant, Simon Sinek, you know, type books that we've all would have read to to help grow that side of it. Um and then like it just struck me it's like you know what instead of teaching emotional intelligence through like research and sort of you know top down you should be emotionally intelligent because that's what will make you a better coach it's like why not create an emotionally intelligent character through a story through a fictional story right and allow people to see how that person would interact and some of the things that he or she would do um, when engaging with all the people that they have to work with and athletes that they have to lead and serve and all that stuff. And I, I thought I was also reading another business parable at the time. And it just struck me like sort of early on in the process. I'm like, that'd be a cool way to tell this story, to deliver this message. And I pivoted and then just started building characters. And that's sort of where the, the fiction element came from. And I wanted it to be an easy read, right? I wanted someone to sort of get involved. That's why the short chapters, right? And a little, you know, you can kind of get through them and feel a little bit of accomplishment and get through three or four in a short amount of time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I like that you have the bibliographies too. So, you know, if you want to look into different things, it's there for you, but it's not like you are just reading a bunch of, it, it's it's not dry at all how it reads, which I think is mm-hmm. cool, but that information is there. And I was already posting it so I could grab some of those articles and Cool. Um, I think it's a really good combo. So thank you for the book. I'm I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Um, but off of that, we, we kind of uh, shifted out a little bit of that. But um, I want to go back to Balance the Bar. And yep. uh, I've had a chance to check out some of your resources a bit. But for those that are just learning about it, like, what do you want the world to know about it? Um, even your app, if you could talk about that and, and what um, what you offer, what how people can access it, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and thanks for the chance to talk about it. I, I think the biggest message is that there, there isn't a hierarchy here. We're all as young coaches, we certainly know, you know, this is coming out of high school, or you know, as soon as you make your decision to move on to a to a university setting, you sort of know what you want to study, and that's a that's a known pathway. You know, you get your undergraduate degree in whatever field you want to 
dig into and then maybe have designs on a master's degree and advanced degree. And that that pathway, you know, although there's some variation to it is structured. We know that one. And then you leave and you're like, okay, I learned what I learned. And that's a great foundation. But then you learn quickly that particularly in strength and conditioning, right? It is just that it's foundational information. And the stuff that I'm really going to use is probably coming after my degree. Like, you know, you absolutely need your motor learning and your biomechanics and your A&P and functional and all of that stuff. But then you really learn the stuff that you use is stuff you it's trial and error. It's making mistakes. It's modeling after people that you worked for early on. And that's sort of where you cut your your program design teeth. And then you're like, okay, there's this whole world of continuing education after my degree that I want to seek out because I want to learn every single ounce of what's going to make me more knowledgeable. And that's necessary, right? And it's it's clearly the the priority with um, you know to be a, a um, an impactful practitioner. So when I say there's no hierarchy, it's like do that and do that really well in all of the areas that you're interested in. But then you get a little bit deeper and you start working 5, 10, 15, 20 years into your career and you realize you look back and you're like, wow, the really impactful stuff alongside of all of that technical knowledge that I learned is all this stuff around human interaction and connection and working in team environments and the people part of the opportunity that we have to train athletes, lead athletes, serve athletes, work alongside great trainers in a dynamic environment and and coaches and all these people and you get to stand on sidelines and this really cool thing but it but it's all interpersonal it's all relationship tied and you're like okay well and, you know and not everybody's great at that kind of stuff at first and you work alongside of people that are really good and they clearly stand out for that reason and then you definitely everybody has stories of people that are not very good at that and they're a little bit awkward and they're difficult to work with and the dinosaurs that aren't adaptable and you know, we, well, we always did it this way this you know all of those kinds of stories you're like okay well that's definitely stuff people should learn too particularly young coaches that may not even recognize that that is a skill set that can be learned and grown and is powerful and interpersonal and um and um adaptable right not malleable so um that that's the whole concept it's like balance the bar when you see the logo it's like you got this big heavy you know trap bar uh, you know straight bar deadlift right and he's in the sumo stance so you're ready to grab it right and that's the, the heavy end the unbalanced part is all of the, it's the pathway that we go we go heavy on technical knowledge but the unbalanced part the little 25 on the other end represents the part that we don't naturally seek out so the concept is let's balance it out. Let's provide a lot of resources to learn this really impactful interpersonal side so that young coaches can grow a balanced skill set that gives them a chance to have real impact and not just be heavy on one or the other. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to deliver. That's that's what the, the initiative is all about. And, you know, the app is out now and it's a ton of free resources from interviews to research studies to book summaries and Again, complementing all of the technical knowledge that people are gathering on their own, but uh, giving them a chance to understand what else is out there to grow their interpersonal skills. And there's a whole long list of them, right? It's that, you know, bucket of soft skills that everybody's very familiar with. And uh, communication seems to be sort of the leader in the locker room, but, you know, very closely followed by emotional intelligence and self-awareness and leadership, you know. Uh, philosophy and you get into versatility and adaptability, conflict resolution. You know, the list is sort of, you know, depending on how deep you want to go. 
Um, and then to just set up resources to kind of learn all of them, because depending on the environment you're in and who you're dealing with and everything, one or a few may be a little more impactful in terms of what what gives you a chance to thrive in the current environment you're in, uh, maybe versus another. And uh, just want to be able to to help, right, and help people that are seeking out a chance to learn those resources um, to give them something to lean on. No, I think it's huge. And I think the more I have intern classes come in and you're absolutely right. They're all excited to get to the heavy side of that barbell, you know, and they're all like, teach me the gym where, you know, and, and they want the new, they want to get so far in the X's and O's. But then when I have them in different drills or in situations, it's, you know, communicating that information to athletes that, you know, we say it all the time. They don't care how much you know, unless they know how much you care. It, it rings true. Um, if you can't communicate those basic things, if you can't get the team to buy into you, if you can't even handle them and be able to lead them yourself, it's, you know, you need to tackle that and before you get to some of the really, really advanced stuff. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, I went to a conference this summer as well, and we were all saying like, oh, this new generation. Um, and we had psychologists speak after us and they were like, oh, every generation said that. Um, but I do think that, you know, the soft skills are going away the more we're on our phone. Um, and, and it's not as natural. And, and like you said, no one really talks about it. Um, I see that with teams all the time right now. You'll get Everyone, you know, even your kids that were leaders or captains in high school were probably just those captains because they were, you know, good at their sport and they mm -hmm. didn't ever carry weight on their team. Like no one ever taught them how to lead. Um, and then you get to college and, and that's a big area I've seen, especially with my women's teams, is that they don't know how to, you know, talk with each other and give each other like, hey, let's let's work out this problem, you know, in our sport. It's more yeah. like no one speaks to each other. Even the leaders don't know how to get the group going. Um, and I think that's where strength conditioning coaches can have a really cool impact is that we're on the sideline a lot of those practices. You see this stuff happening, um, mm -hmm. but no one's ever helped them do that. So I think there's so many layers of helping your athletes navigate, you know, how to communicate and, and how to work with each other, helping your you know young coaches learn how to be that person. Um, but also like finding yourself as a young coach. I think that's another thing I see. I struggled with in the beginning, thinking I had to be a certain way, you know, thinking I had to go into coaches meetings and say like, this is what I want to do. Um, and I, and I turned off a lot of people and I, I learned a lot through failure as we were talking about before, um, yeah. just by not knowing how to go about that. And so I think it, it's awesome. I stumbled my way through it all and I had some really good mentors around me to push me, you know, put me on the right path. But, um, I think, you know, with what you have going on in those different situations, you can look up and learn through are invaluable for, for coaches these days. Yeah, gosh, you you hit on so many good points right there for sure, and I I think you're exactly right. I mean the the opportunity that I mean, and certainly many roles within a within a high performance sport environment have this, but you know the strength coach spends so much time with athletes, um, and, and arguably more than than a sport coach, and you get to learn these you know the the nuances of the team dynamic. You see it in a number of different environments, whether it's bringing them out on the field in a you know a heavy intense conditioning session, or you know all of a sudden it's you know it's testing week, and you know you see you know kind of the the energy that people bring and how serious they treat you know you know, whenever you're going to squat you know, on a max day or the vertical jump day or something like that. And you see all these different sort of opportunities for these personalities to rise, to rise up. Uh, and some of them do rise very well. Right. And you can see the natural leaders and some of them, you know, you're like, okay, well, they probably need some, some growth opportunities. And then the bigger one, I think, um, way past sports is preparing them for who they're going to be afterward. Right. And, and we know that we know the weight room can reveal character and it can create and we have an opportunity to shape it a little bit. Uh, but who are they going to become when they leave sports? Right. And they get they get into their own jobs and all that stuff when all of these skills 
you know, really matter when they're faced with an interview and they're faced in a team dynamic when there's put on a group project for some, you know, IT software development or something. And it's like, you can help prepare them for that through the things you do and help them. And this is just, and, and this is just the, the coach to athlete side, right? You can even put aside all of the, you know, again, like your internship program and the, the, the practitioners that you're growing, they may have been former athletes that were taught and now they're in a working world and you get an opportunity to grow that even more because they understand it a little more. Just such a cool opportunity we have in the world that we're in. So you take that, take that responsibility seriously and you help grow, help grow people that, uh, that will go on to bigger and better things. Definitely. And I think the the level two of, of communicating with sport coaches, as you mentioned, you had so many different people coming in um, to the, as you stayed in the same role. I think moving from school to school and working with different teams, I've seen that firsthand is you have to approach every organization and every sport coach very differently. And their questions about you are going to be different. You know, can they, you know, can they keep a team in line? Do they know anything about the sport? Can they, you know, some of them are worried about the X's and O's and, um, how you need to present yourself as a coach to get what you need to get done with that team uh, yeah. is very different in every situation, but it's it's truly a, a skill you need to learn. And if you do it the wrong way, you're make, you you just set yourself up to climb quite a high hill of trying to yeah. overcome that and and build that trust and and add value to that department. So, um, yeah, couldn't be more but, important, but, I think. No, for sure. Uh, you hit on a really critical area of, again, high performance success, you know, this this leading up concept, right, and managing up. And, you know, in most environments that that probably you can probably label that relationship strength coach to head coach, right? Because on many levels, we do report to them with respect to the, the team that we're serving for that. And you said that, you know, coaches' personalities can be very unique <laughs> and uh, they have their own signature and their own fingerprint. And you can't deal with you know, if you you train three different teams at, at a university setting, you can't deal with each of the coaches the same. They have different communication styles. They have different schedules. They have different values. They have different things that are important to them, um, even just in that small little focus strength and conditioning area, let, let alone how they want to grow their team. Right. And the identity that they're trying to create, which we would have a part of. Um, and it's really important to customize it and not treat all of them the same and make sure you don't misstep early, like you said, because you may. You know, if you don't handle those first interactions, those first couple of weeks when you inherit a new coach or when you are new in a new environment, you take on a new role. Yeah, you, you set uphill climb. You could erode your opportunity to even do a great, you know, you may you may lose that coach very early on if you don't handle it well. Um, so and that it's all interpersonal, you know, for sure. That's that's sort of the uh, the big learning curve that you understand when you're in it long enough. Definitely. Mm hmm. Off of that, I would say, uh, you know, to young coaches or just any any coaches in general, what would what's a big piece of advice that really has impacted you, and and what's something that you would want to share, um, share with the world? Uh, can I have two? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 related, but these are two that I always like to pass along. Uh, and this, this one isn't new at all. I'm sure it's been told, you know, since early early days, but um. You know, this idea that you are the product of the people that regularly surround you, right? The people that you spend the most time with and you hear it young, you hear, it, you know, going back probably to high school, that type of thing. And it's out there. It's all over, you know, memes and social media and all that stuff. But gosh, you don't really, it doesn't really resonate. It doesn't really sink in until again, for me, deep into, you know, seeing worlds where, 
you know, my circle maybe wasn't as influential in a positive way as I would have liked it to be. And then spend time in circles that it was, and you get a chance to compare the two and you're like, wow, like I, I really know what people meant when they said that. So the, the sort of modern day twist on that, right. Is that, you know, the, the opportunity through call it YouTube, call it social media, call it zoom, all that stuff the opportunity to create sort of a new circle, like, you know, for the 21 year old version of me, it literally was the people that you spent the most time with each day that you talked to and that you worked with and that you had lunch with and shared offices with and all that stuff too. But today's opportunity, you have kind of a, a, a chance to create your own little circle, right? For whatever it is you want to help uh, grow of yourself. Right. And, and of course that would include the actual people that you interact with, but you can also go out and seek out different ways to spend time with other people just on social media. Right. And of course you want to select people that are, you know, of high quality and are communicating a strong message. And, you know, when you get into the science world, obviously evidence-based, you don't want to follow the people that, you know, that are, that are spitting out some trash, but you do have an opportunity to create a circle where almost wherever you want and almost in a world wherever you want to grow just by seeking out and what you expose yourself to. Right. And call it a, a topic, pick any one topic that you might want to learn. And, and maybe you don't have influential people that you can interact with every day. And it just, again, pick a topic, you know, the cold water immersion or, you know, force plate, you know, reading a force time curve or something, you know, whatever it is, you have a chance to go and seek that out and you can hunt down a podcast or two or three and you could hunt down an online course and you can reach out to one of the experts in the field and maybe they will, you know, you can broker a relationship with them and they, they do have resources where you can learn from them. And it's just a really cool opportunity and for a young coach to to understand and, and really grasp that, because it's one thing to know it's out there, but it's another thing to sort of act on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they're like, I want to learn more about this, but they may not have somebody in their immediate circle that can teach them that it's literally just, you know, a couple of clicks away that you can create the circle you would like to be knowing that you will become a product, you know, of, of who you surround yourself with, even if it is online videos or you know, uh, somebody's social media feed or something. Um, so that's one. Uh, the, the second one is, again, I, I feel very strongly about this, particularly for young coaches, is generalist mindset, right? That early on, and this can be sort of, you know, obviously adapted and grow a little bit as you get deeper into your career. But I, I, I think being open-minded and having a, a width over depth approach to continuing education and uh, everything you embrace when you're new to a role and new in your career, I think that sets you up for much greater success deeper in your career uh, than if you were very targeted and specific early on. And, uh, you know, the popular book is Range by David Epstein. I think it's an awesome book in a bunch of ways, but there's a, a powerful concept that he talks about called knowledge transfer. And, and it's relevant to our world now, particularly, again, let's talk, you know, performance training and how fast moving <clears throat> You know, programming thoughts are and sport technology, weight room technology, the ability to ability to monitor things objectively and um, that type of stuff didn't exist 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, again, the 21 year old version of me, if you told me I'd be able to capture a vertical jump on an app on my phone, I would have been like, 
bullshit. Like no, no <laughs> way, <laughs> you know, but all of a sudden, you know, it's there and who knows what we're going to have in 10 years. Right. And who knows how fast and quickly adapting and moving it is rapidly changing. So the idea of knowledge transfer is like give yourself as many reference points, different reference points in a lot of different worlds as you possibly can. Not super shallow, but definitely not depth, just enough to understand it. And then you are more prepared for a rapidly changing world. Right. Because you you have a, a stronger knowledge base <clears throat> and. uh I think again, early on in a career, it's super important to be able to do that, and uh, and prepares you much better, you know, where you can zero in and focus on where you really want to specialize d- deeper and and later on. Hundred percent. I'm gonna make my interns listen to that part on repeat over here because um, too many of them do do that and say, "Hey, I want to be in soccer." I'm like, I never even knew I liked soccer until I got assigned it randomly. So I couldn't. Both pieces of advice I think are gold, and I I couldn't agree more with them. Um, and I think too, your your point of um, you know learning it and looking different things up and making your circle. I think that's an, an awesome take on it in many ways um, because it is. I think continuing ed can there are so many resources it can look overwhelming at times, you know, because you're like, man, there's so much I need to learn and dig into. Um, but I even like your idea of just viewing it as that circle, you know, and, and reaching out to people and having people guide you and and just clicking on the resources and finding it and stay in this area for a bit and then look at the next one. Um, so really, really good piece of advice, um, on there. And, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure. Um, but cool. All right. Uh, any major topics you want to talk about before we, we wrap this up? No, I, I think we covered a lot. I, I really like, and, you know, sort of the, the questions that you gave me in advance to prep, I think we, we hit on well, um, yeah, just again, global themes. We sort of covered that. I, I'm the, I think the. I, I gave I, I literally just um, just yesterday sort of gave this analogy with um, uh, the relationship that we know we have uh, or the relationship that a strength conditioning coach has with a sport coach with respect to athlete development and how we complement the big picture where an athlete would arrive in a team setting to um, to play the sport well, to learn the sport and obviously, you know, achieve some level of success and however they would define it. And that's why they would enter the team. They're going there to play the sport. But you get this unique opportunity as a performance coach and a strength coach to complement that and build, you know, capacity and build all the physical qualities that improves them as an athlete. Injury risk reduction, speed, strength, power, you know, all of that stuff. And then that makes sure all the stuff they do on the field goes better. Right. And we know that that's that's the complementary role that a strength coach would provide for a, a sport coach. Right. It's like a, a partnership in the, in the best interest of the individual athlete and the team. So the analogy I drew in this is like, let, let's think of your technical skill, your technical knowledge and your soft skills and your interpersonal skills as well, that it's this partnership where the foundation will always remain our technical knowledge. And you should chase after whatever it is you want to learn in a big way and whatever resources you can learn to use that to grow your knowledge and your technical ability. Um, but don't forget about that partner, right? And that 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 partner that, again, the analogy is the partner that we are to a sport coach and helping an athlete grow. And in this analogy, it's the partner of the interpersonal skill and make sure that you are growing your ability to communicate not only to the athletes that you lead, but your teammates and all of the, the leaders and the supervisors that you serve. And you work on your self-awareness and you become more finely tuned with your strengths and your weaknesses and how you fit into the 
the dynamic team environment that you find yourself in, because that's going to change with your next job and you're going to have to readjust there. So who are you with respect to your self-awareness, cultural awareness, situational awareness, your leadership approach, so many different ways that you can stand in front of a room and lead uh, both as athletes and when you get a chance to lead you know, an intern group, or, you know, uh, all of a sudden you get elevated to a, a director role or something like that. Who are you as a leader? Uh, and so many, again, you know, connected compassion, empathy, emotional intelligence, all that stuff. Um, all of that stuff can and should be grown and built right alongside of your technical knowledge. Um, again, sort of the theme of everything we talked about here, but I, I don't want people to lose sight of just how powerful that is um, as you become the the professional that you are and the human being that you are. I love it. Jesse, right yeah. out here, dropping some, some truth bombs for us. And I'm a big fan <laughs> of it. <laughs> Firing me up. Yeah. Um, I do want to, want to share. We, we always send out a form to, to our speakers and um, the book recommendations that you had on there, I think were um, some good ones. If people are looking oh, cool. to, to learn more. So um, I know you recommended mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, Radical candor by Kim Scott. I hadn't heard of that one. Awesome one. Yep. And then, of course, the intent is to grow. Got to get that one going. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the shameless plug, right? You know, again, like the, the biggest challenge in getting a book off the ground is certainly right. It's writing it is big, but then just getting it out there. So, you know, while the the uh, the strength coach in me likes to remain behind the curtain, right? And, and, you know, let the athletes and the teams be the show. That doesn't work very well when you're trying to promote a book. So I get you have to you have to toss that stuff out there. That's right. That's right. Well, I will toss it. I will help toss it for you while you, you stand behind the curtain. But um, I think uh, we always have a list of, you know, good strength conditioning books to send people, but there's not always books, you know, for like you said, the soft skill side of things. So I'm yeah. happy now to have a more full bookshelf for my young coaches um, and myself. But definitely Excellent. go check that out if you guys haven't. We can find it on Amazon uh, anywhere else. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. Retail available on Amazon where everybody buys their stuff. Right. So Perfect. yeah, you can find it right there. And the link is, uh, you know, on the website and, um, yeah, balancethebar.com. You can get the book there. You can get download the app there, which is all free content within the app and, you know, online course as well. There's an option there. So there's a bunch of stuff that, uh, if people are interested in learning these skills, either through the book or some online resources, those are there. Awesome. Love it. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for your time. Um, if people enjoyed this as much as, as I did today, is there uh, like, are you okay with people reaching out via email or just find you on your, your website? A a any way that's most convenient to people and where they like to chat the most. Um, Instagram is the social media platform where I'm most active and absolutely welcome DMs and messaging and all that stuff too. So that's Jesse K. Wright on Instagram. Uh, I just mentioned my website, balancethebar.com. You can find me on there. Those emails go directly to me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Jesse K. Wright. And um, yeah, those are probably the best places to find me. Perfect. All right. And we will be sharing the, uh, at least his Instagram in our bio as well with this, this uh, episode. So go ahead and check that out. And Jesse, thanks so much for coming on Talking Pit. Brenna, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our chat here.